Hey there, welcome to LSAT Demon Daily Digest. I'm Ben Olson, that's Nathan Fox. Together we're the founders of LSATdemon.com and our weekly podcast, Thinking LSAT. Here's what we talked about this week. Hey there, welcome to LSAT Demon Daily. I'm Nathan Fox. With me today, I have Sam Chen. Sam is a longtime listener and demon user. Um, in fact, I'm just going to dive right into Sam's email and then uh, we'll we'll chat a bit. So Sam, your email here says, uh, hi, Ben and Nathan. I'm a longtime listener and demon user. You guys changed my life. I had a diagnostic of 139 and then you put in all caps, not great. After 16 months of studying and four official attempts, I got a 164. And then you also very kindly put, I want to give a shout out to all the awesome demon tutors that helped me. And you named them all Logan, Matt, Ruth, Carl, David, Caitlin, uh, Sophie, Rebecca, Dylan, Elizabeth, and Abigail. Yes. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> um, talk about talk about that process you improved by 25 points you must feel great yes um so um english is not my native language um i came to the us when i was 18 i started speaking english then so i've i've only been using this language for about 12 years um so yeah my uh, diagnostic was um um (laughs) was really low and i didn't really know what it meant at the time. Um, but I just knew, um, I just listened to you and Ben talk about, yes, this is a learnable test. Um, as long as you put work into it and this is a test of English, uh, it's a language. If you, you can learn, if you really, you know, pay attention. Um, and I went to college for that and I did see improvement. Tell me a little more about that. You you went to college for language. Is that what you said? No, I I, I came uh, to the U.S. for college um, and um, I didn't. So because in China, I, I'm from China, uh, we I, it, we just didn't really speak English at all. We learned sure. some classes, but um, it was a different experience. So the first two, I took LSAT four times. The first two times I got uh, 148 and 147. Um, the first two months I started studying around April, 2021. I signed up with the basic plan. Um, within two months, uh, my score increased about nine points. Uh, mostly was because the, my understanding in the games. Where did you start on the games? How, what was your performance on the games when you first saw the LSAT? Um, I think my diagnostic, I got, I basically guessed everything cause I just did not, I thought it was very interesting, the concept, but, um, yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't wrap my head. I couldn't, I don't know how to solve these puzzles, but yep. I, I knew I would, I would want to learn about that. So I think the first two months, um, I, 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 because of my interest, I paid a lot of more attention in games and therefore my, my score increased. Then I spend another uh, five, six months uh, with a life plan um, because I wasn't truly honest with myself. Like you and Ben, you guys had really good advice. I heard them. I did not listen to them. Um, <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> like, you know, um, focus on accuracy. Um, one question at a time. 
I wasn't very honest with myself. I was hoping, you know, going to classes would help me understand more. Um, I didn't really put work into it, much work into it. It was kind of sporadic. Um, there, one day I can do an hour on the weekends. I do maybe like a day, two, three hours, but it wasn't consistent. Uh, and my practice score, I saw some improvement in my practice scores, but I was hovering around like 150, lower, low 150s. Okay. Um, I couldn't make that jump. Um, and the second time um, I took LSAT was in November um, 2021, and my score actually went down one point. I got okay. 147. Okay. I was really discouraged. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you'd been you knew our perspective at that time, right? Like you, you'd heard us say, Hey, you know, there's a lot of randomness. So one point down doesn't really mean anything. Were you able to feel that or not? Um, maybe not. Maybe it's just I, no, <laughs> so devastating. It was more, it was more like I, I wasn't ready. Um, I was not supposed to take that. The first two, Elsa, I took it prematurely, honestly. Like, again, you guys, yep. um, the advice was make sure your score, practice scores are consistent. Um, I <laughs> I heard it again, but did not follow well, that advice. Let me let me clarify a little bit. I, yeah. I don't really talk about consistency, but I do talk about mm -hmm. an overall like high level of performance. I mean, if you're not regularly scoring pretty high, not necessarily consistently, yeah. I, don't, I don't really care if there's up and down in your scores. But some of those scores need to be good enough scores that you would feel comfortable applying to law school. And if not, then but, there's no point in taking the official test. So you're you're I think what you're saying is that your upside really wasn't established at that point. You hadn't had enough good practice tests on record. Am I right? Yes. No, I, I did not have those. OK, cool. Yeah. So the turning point was um, was the beginning of 2022. Um, I, I work full time too. So I have a, I work in healthcare. So it's, it's, it ha has been pretty stressful during, uh, the pandemic, but I started to manage my time better. I put Elsa as my, uh, priority. I took more, um, paid days off vacations to really study for this test. And, um, I started really started, um, doing one question at a time, really, uh, using the ask button and um, ask questions where I didn't ask specific questions. And I hired Logan uh, as a private tutor for about, I think, four months. And um, he, he, we did uh, mostly, we did uh, logic reasoning and uh, reading comprehension because these are my, at the time, my, my really weak um sections game was a little better and around um for for about a consistently four or five months in um from like february to march my I, I started to see my practice scores um getting to where i want it to be which were like low 160s and sometimes i, I could get to high one one uh, 160s and once in a while I get to 172, but it, there was, I think that was randomness. And I took, um, the June, 2021 LSAT, but I experienced some, uh, test anxiety and I flunked a game. 
I knew <laughs> I flunked the game. You flunked um, the game? What did you, what, you just, what happened, do you think? Um, it was like the fourth game. It was one of those um, like quirky games. Um, I just kind of panicked a little bit. Yeah. Um, I I knew I I put a lot of pressure on myself. I have to be perfect on games. Um, I was trying to solve it, but I just I just froze. Okay. Um, yeah. But um, so I signed up for August really quickly after that. What did you get on um, that test? uh the june test yeah uh, uh june i got one i got 158 158 okay but you were yeah. re you registered immediately to take it again yes. and that's going to be your yes. fourth event your fourth attempt coming up did you do anything yes. differently between your third attempt and your fourth attempt the only difference i um i just still stick with my regiment studied every day um kick my husband out on every saturday <laughs> while i'm doing my practice test um but the only difference I did um, was on the test day uh, in August, in order to calm myself down, I started to like bounce a tennis ball on the wall during breaks, okay. um, just kind of distracting myself and not think about a test and just kind of relax a little bit and not think about what's next. And <laughs> so you're and again, <laughs> you have a <clears throat> this, excuse me, you have a tennis ball during your official yeah test and you're yes. bouncing it off of the wall is that an During approved breaks. is that an approved piece of equipment for the law school admission test <laughs> i don't i mean they didn't say that was improved but i was only using it during breaks okay. so i'm not sure <laughs> but I, in the I'm room sure. from 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 your desk you're doing it while yeah, you're sitting down. Yeah, just from my desk. Okay. Yes. All right. Yeah, Proctor and the wall in front of me and just do that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um um, and again, on that test, the, the last game was kind of um, a little like random, one of those random games. You can't really create worlds on it, but I just kind of, I just really focused and understood the rules and then solved and was able to answer all the questions. So you solved the whole section on games, which you knew you could do. You had done that yes. repeatedly in your practice over the weeks and months yes okay so that went great yeah um and um i thought about doing it again uh taking my fifth attempt but um i just um i i my the schools i'm applying for right now are um i i i think i have enough and i just i want to live a life a little bit um yeah. so <laughs> I want to. Yeah. So I decided to stop. So you're applying um, right now with your 164, yes. even though you have one more attempt, at least if you yes. wanted to. OK, cool. 25 point improvement. That's amazing. Um, I'm sure people want to know where you're applying or how many schools at least you're applying to. I have about um, 20 schools on my list. Um, I'm applying um, all the pretty much all the schools in New York and D.C., I'm hoping to stay in the East Coast. Okay. I'm working with Anne Levine. She's um, the law school expert. Her um, book, her fifth edition book just came out also. She's great. She's been on the Thinking LSAT podcast many times. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. And thank, thanks uh, for you guys introducing her sure. to my life. <laughs> yes. It's 20 schools uh, and, you're, and you're in the process of doing that right now. Fantastic. 
Yes. How, uh, as far as your LSAT prep goes, Sam, how, how many hours were you practicing? How many days a week? And just, I know you already kind of went through the timeline, but to, to tell the listeners, to give them a sense of the scope of what you did, um, Mm -hmm. how long did it take and how many hours uh, per day per, per week? Um, when I, so for the, for the whole 16 months, I would say the, the last, the, the latter 10 months, 10 months, uh, when I got really serious about, and also prioritized doing this test, being consistent about my studying regimen, my study schedule was about one or two, um, hours a day. Um, I did it, um, usually in the morning when I am at my best. Because I work, so sometimes I would do, I, I try to do it in the morning, but if I can't, I would do one in the morning and one at night after okay. work yeah. on weekdays, Monday to Friday. And on Saturday, I would take a practice test. Um, and then Sunday, I would do my review. Uh, consistently, I did that for at least 10 months. So what, what was the estimate then, hours per week? Like uh, around 20, 20 hours, 20 hours a, week a week for about yeah. eight months. Okay. 10, um, more than probably more ten, than 10, 10 months. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. 20 hours a week for 10 months. Um, yeah, you're, you know, I think that's coming pretty close to about a thousand hours. Does that sound right? Mm. Um, yeah, 20 I'm not great at math, but well, yes, a full-time job yeah. for a year is 40 hours a week, uh, times 50 weeks. And that's 2000 hours. So yeah, if you studied for 10 months, 20 hours a week, I would say that that's pretty, pretty clearly over a thousand hours total yeah. investment. Um, it sounds like a lot, I think for, for many students, but I want people to really understand what kind of a life-changing improvement you have made, Sam, on your LSAT. With a 139, you're getting in almost nowhere. Yeah. Of course, you're getting no scholarship money anywhere. And you're, you're really just not getting in to very many credible law schools with a 139. And with a 25-point improvement up to a 164... Not only are you getting in, but you're getting scholarship offers almost guaranteed from um, many different schools. You haven't applied yet, but I'm sure you've been on the LSAT Demon scholarship estimator. Yes. Yes, I've been using it. And <laughs> okay. um, from the schools ranked ranked around like 50 to 100, I can get sizable scholarships more than half or depends on where they are um sometimes uh a full tuition yeah i mean depending on where you apply i i would guarantee that you are going to get multiple different full ride scholarship offers i'm pretty certain that that is what's going to happen uh unless you know if you only applied to schools in the top 14 or like if you just applied to the top 20 schools in the country or whatever then no But if you apply to schools that are, especially, you know, you're geographically focused, there's tons of law schools in New York, there's tons of law schools in DC. If you're willing to go to to move potentially to either of those places, then yeah, it's, it's just going to be a, a, really, it's going to be a buyer's market for you 
it's not a buyer's market for everyone, but you've did you've done everything correctly. You took your time. You didn't rush into it. You improved your LSAT dramatically. And now you're at the point where it's inevitable that you're going to get fantastic offers from from schools that would have denied you 10 months ago. You're now going to get yeah. a full ride. Can you name just one school that's on your list, uh, you know, middle like middle of your range type of a school? So from the schools I'm applying to, uh, St. John uh, would give me a full ride. Um, I have a list somewhere. No, that's that's perfect. All we need is one. I mean, so I want to I just want to look at St. John's um, right now on the scholarship estimator, or actually what I'm going to do is I'm going to look at their 509 report. But um, St. John's University. Uh, oh, and, you know, we haven't talked about your grades, Sam. Do you what's your uh, undergraduate GPA? Um, not great. 3.14. 3.14. Okay. So you're below the 75th or the 25th percentile uh, at St. John's. What did you study though? Communication and film studies. Okay. Communications and film. All right. So, uh, Mm -hmm. with, with grades below their 25th percentile at St. John's, uh, with a one thirty nine or even a one forty nine, I think you're going to be a clear denial at that school. Yeah. Um, but with a 164, you're now at their 75th percentile. So you're a splitter at a school like St. John's. But yes. because your LSAT is really strong, they're going to be much more willing to accept that lower um, GPA. And let's see. So that school gives. Yeah, I mean, they give scholarships to 72 percent of their class. So, of course, the people who are at their 75th percentile for LSAT are going to get some kind of an offer. They end up giving 38% of their class at St. John's. 38% of the school is there on a full tuition scholarship. Another 1% of the school is there on a more than full tuition scholarship. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's the type of school where if they don't give you, you know, three quarters uh, tuition Mm -hmm. or more, I think you clearly are going to end up going somewhere else. It's it's a fine yes. school. It, it'll do. I'm sure it'll do what you need done um, as far as your career aspirations are concerned. But that's just not the kind of school where an applicant like you should have to pay sixty five thousand five hundred dollars. Uh, that's yeah, that's resident and non-resident tuition. It's just sixty five thousand five hundred dollars plus another eleven hundred in fees, uh, twelve hundred in mm. fees. So, yeah, we're knocking on the door of $70,000 and, you know, you could have got into St. John's maybe with a 158, Mm -hmm. but taking it one more time and getting Mm -hmm. that 164, I, I just can't wait to see what your offers are, Sam. I'm excited. That is fantastic. Um, Anything else that you feel like you really want to share with the audience before we wrap it up? Um, just want to really thank you guys. Um, I enjoy this journey. I work better now. Um, what do you mean? I, I'm more disciplined. Um, I, I think also there, there's a, there's an action article Logan shared with me after our sessions that LSAT changes your brain and you're, you become oh, yeah. a more logical person more analytical. Yep. Um, I can, I can feel that now. Um, and I like this 
part of myself. Um, and I look forward <laughs> to uh, my education. And thanks, thanks uh, to you guys. Um, nah. The lesson to the advice, listeners. Uh, <laughs> don't just hear it. Really listen to it. Let me all ask the, you. <laughs> <laughs> all the wisdoms are there. All right. Uh, just too too much. It. Thank you. Yeah. Too much. Okay. Um, okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> let me ask you this. Have you started, are you, are you like completely insufferable yet when it comes to watching TV, when you see news articles, or especially when you see commentary or when you see commercials, do you find yourself being angry about the bad logic that you see everywhere? Has that infected all the time? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all the time now. And sometimes, if even my husband, if he says something, I'm like, okay, but you didn't say. You, there's a there's a gap. But I I I think that's a kind of a, a hazard too. Um, can't argue with your loved ones, you know, all the time. Um, but I, yes, I do see that, um, and my brain just goes off all the time now. <laughs> Hopefully, you can yeah. keep that to. Just lawyer Sam, only lawyer Sam yes. will do those things. And then like home Sam, you might <laughs> just <laughs> silence that hypercritical part of your brain that you have developed apparently uh, with LSAT studying. Okay, let's wrap it up there. Thank you, Sam. It was really nice talking to you. Thank you for your thoughtful email and for wanting to um, share your story with all of our listeners. I hope you'll keep in touch. Obviously, uh, Sam, connect to me on LinkedIn or whatever. I want to follow your career. And, uh, you know, now we just, well, once your applications are in, we just sit back and wait for the offers to come pouring in. So I hope, uh, you know, at the end of your cycle, you will just remember us and send us an email with like, here are my best offers. Uh, I really enjoy seeing what schools people get to pick and choose from at the end of this process when they do it right. I will. And you Thank you, have. Nathan. We have an email here from Anonymous. It says, hello, Ben and Nathan. I have been listening to the show for a couple months now and don't know if you all have advised on a character and fitness addendum. I was charged with a minor in possession during my freshman year of college and the charge was dismissed. I've been looking to get this expunged, but I will still have to disclose the charge I know the typical LSAT demon mantra for an addendum is only mention the positives, but I was wondering how it applies in this instance because I will have to own up to a negative. I've read online, which is a proven questionable source when it comes to law school advice, that it is important to take responsibility. However, I have difficulty wording it as I don't want to produce a disingenuous sob story. Ben, do you think it's important to take responsibility? That's not something I think about when I think right. of these addendums. I just think of stating the facts. Right. That's Answer the easiest the way question. to stay safe. Mm -hmm. Answer the question with facts. You don't need to apologize. No. Yeah. And sorry, I was going to say the best way to take responsibility is to just say what happened. Right. This is what happened. Own, own, just own it. You know? I overslept and I didn't make it to my LSAT class and I'm sorry. <laughs> I fucked up. My bad. You don't, you don't need, I mean, you can just say the facts and yeah, I don't know. I guess there I'm saying I'm sorry because I'm apologizing to my customers, but the law schools are not your customer. They're, they're vetting you as like a pre-check for your character and fitness that you'll have to take when you apply to the bar. And yep. yeah, like 
minor in possession. Okay. If that's a charge that they need disclosed, then you need to disclose it, but you can say what the charge was and how it was resolved. And that's pretty much all you need to say. What do you think about this? Here's a fact that you could share. If it gets expunged, that would be great. You could, maybe you have to report it, but you could point it out. I don't know in that situation, but um, what about facts such as I have had no incidences since for the last five years? That's a fact. Yeah, that's a fact that you can put on, that you can put into the record. Yeah. You can disclose the fact that you had this thing happen. And then you can disclose the fact that nothing like that has happened since, since then. But now so listen to what um, Anonymous says. Anonymous okay. says, I intend to write something along the lines of this. So here we can like do some live editing for uh, Anonymous. Charges okay. were dismissed and are in the process of being expunged for a minor in possession incident that occurred during my freshman year of college, comma, in which I was holding a beer at the age of 19. Ben is, again, vigorously shaking his head. No, he does not like that. What don't you like about that? I think there's well, much not to like. There's much not to like, but I would say my my ugh, reaction started <laughs> right when you said charges were dismissed. You're, you're talking right. in the passive voice. When you're in trouble for something, you don't say the glass was broke. Oh, no shit, it was broke. That's why we're having this conversation. You say, I broke the glass. I held the can of beer. I was ni at 19. I was caught holding beer. Well, also, <laughs> you were drinking the fucking beer, dude. Don't say yeah. I was holding a beer <laughs> as if you, well, they didn't see me drink it, though. Uh, the cop got me with it in my hand. But I, I was it was my friend's beer. Shut up. You're at a party. You're drinking. It's not a big deal. You got, just say, I was charged with minor impossession. I got a minor impossession. Yep. <laughs> I was convicted of a minor impossession. Say whatever happened. End of story. Short sentence. None of this long. As soon as people start talking in the passive form, our guard goes up. It's like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, well, charges were really dismissed. I'm, I'm seeing that now. Charges yeah. were dismissed. So I, I would say they're, um, you know, that's Just, also something you want to end on. You want to start with your negative right. fact. I got charged with this. They were dismissed. We're starting with the positive and then going negative. You don't want to go in that no. direction. During either. my freshman year of college, I was charged with minor in possession. The charges were dismissed and are in the process of being expunged. Nothing like that has happened since. But instead, Anonymous goes on with this charge illustrated the severity of the law. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> what do you mean the charges illustrated the severity of the law? No, they didn't. You're now you're like owning weight. It's like I can tell you don't mean it. Like you called it earlier a disingenuous sob story. I don't know about sob story, but it's for sure disingenuous. You know yeah. that this isn't a big fucking deal. It was an MIP when you were 19. They dropped the charges. It's nothing. But you coming in with like, this illustrates the severity. <laughs> what? Nobody. Believes yeah. You. you sound like judge Judy now. Like all of a sudden it's like, Hey, and it's like, you don't actually think that you're just scared shitless. Yeah. It illustrated the severity of the law and the consequences of my thoughtless decision, comma, causing me to weigh future decisions carefully before acting, which is just such a conclusion 
that's telling instead of showing. Don't it's also bringing do that. us back to the thoughtless decision. Like, let's state the fact and move on as quickly as possible. Let's not go back and revisit it. Thoughtful, thoughtless decision. Yeah. yeah. I got an MIP. Well, I was charged with MIP when I was 19. Charges were dismissed and are in the process of being expunged, period. And that's all you need to say. Just don't say any of this stuff. Yep. Okay, another question. Also, I know there's no definitive answer, but do either of y'all have any insight on the extent this harms my application? Probably not at all. It's not an issue. I've been <laughs> Probably not at all if you do the facts. If you start like <laughs> saying all this stuff, then you're just making yourself look odd. Yeah. I was charged with MIP when I was 19. I was sorry. I was charged with a minor in possession when I was 19. Period. Charges were dismissed and are in the process of being expunged, period. Period. Done. Don't put anything else. All the other stuff makes you sound worse. Um, I have been scoring in the 170s on practice tests and I have a 3.79 UGPA and I wish to attend a competitive school, whatever the hell that means. I'm hoping if I have the numbers, this will be able to be looked past. Yeah, you have the numbers. It's fine. It's not a big deal. Thanks for the always blunt and awesome advice. You all have truly transformed this test for me. Smiley face anonymous. We have an email here from Erica. Hi, exclamation point. Just wanted to share a small win. Exclamation point. I've been on and off studying for the LSAT while working and finishing up college and scored a 160 on the August LSAT. Okay. It sounds like you took it officially. I diagnosed. I diag I diagnostic tested at I've never heard that as a verb, but your diagnostic test was a 143. <laughs> and I'm gonna continue to put work in until I get into the 170s. This test is slowly starting to make a lot more sense. Semicolon. I took a practice test last week and scored a 170. LSAT demon works. Thanks, guys. Erica. Erica, I'm so glad that you're making progress, but I am disappointed that you took the test. It, yeah. I, I, I don't think you needed to take it officially to see that 160. You see yeah. a practice test of 170. That's that's good enough. Yeah, that was dumb, um, but it's a very common mistake. You just wasted your first attempt at the LSAT. Um, yeah, you made a bunch of progress from 143 to 160. But as you say, I mean, you're already PTing in the 170s. So that 160 is a zero on your record. It doesn't hurt you, but it did take away one of your limited attempts attempts and yeah. it cost $210 and half of a Saturday. And it was dumb of you to do that. Um, going forward, do not register for any official tests until you're happy with your practice test scores. Since you're already scoring sometimes in the one seventies, it's probably safe to go ahead and take official tests now, but uh, not when you were just scoring one sixty on your practice tests. That said, congratulations on the yeah. progress. At the end of the day, that's all that really matters. Even though you used up one of your attempts, which is not ideal, the fact that you're moving forward and committed to moving forward is great. I mean, that's awesome. Yeah, we're not, you know, we don't, I'm not like beating people up for their past mistakes. I'm just trying to say like, well, that was a strategic error and hopefully other people won't do that same thing. All yeah. we can do is move forward. And I, I'm not hating on Erica for for taking that test. I, I wish she wouldn't have, but she did. And it doesn't matter. What matters is what she does going forward. Yep, absolutely. Uh, we have an email here from Anonymous. Says, what are some tips on how to remain focused on super philosophical slash abstract arguments? When I read a passage, I read the sentences carefully. But sometimes, like with this argument, this was a came in from an ask button question, I think. Mm. 
Uh, I read the sentences carefully, but sometimes I get incredibly confused by what the arguer is trying to say, and I have to reread the passage several times before I can even recognize the conclusion. I feel like I end up taking so much time. That's it. That's the entire email. Thank you for your brevity. Yeah, I don't like the fact that you're rereading the passage. I think you need to catch your misunderstanding or your confusion after the first sentence or sometimes even after halfway through the first sentence. I think what happens is people get confused by that first sentence and that they they hope that the later sentences will enlighten them or that things will get easier. And it's like, no, no, no. Dig into the problem as soon as the problem starts. Reread sentences, not passages. Yep. That applies to reading comprehension and logical reasoning, both. I never, I mean, I was going to say I never reread. That's not true. I, I reread sometimes, mm-hmm. but I reread sentences all the time. All the time. All and because time. I do that, it really does help me to recognize how the argument is proceeding while I'm reading it. People think like, because people ask a, a, a related question, you know, how do I slow down? That's a question we get all the time. And how do I learn to object to the arguments? And people tend to think that the objection happens after they read it, after they read it. Yeah. yeah. Like they, they think they need to read it, then think about it. Or, or in, and in this case, they think that they don't understand the passage. But the reality is, is they don't understand a sentence, probably one that happened earlier in the passage. Yeah. And once you unlock that sentence, oh my God, now it makes sense. And so the yeah. other sentences and what they're saying in response to that sentence follows. But because you're confused there, you're confused everywhere else. And so then you blame your confusion on the passage as a whole. Yep, absolutely. It It's clear that that's what's happening here. And it's going to happen on reading comp too. You know, you're going to read that long first sentence that's commonly in reading comp. Some of the hard people will have a real hard time with the passage. And it's like, well, let's look at that first sentence. And the first sentence will be six lines and it'll be, you know, four commas and it'll be all convoluted. And it's like, well, you, you read that nothing went in. You didn't understand it. Then you just, your eyes glazed over. You didn't understand the whole passage, but you read the whole thing anyway, even though nothing was going in. And yeah, then you're in the case, you're, you're in a situation where you're having to reread the entire damn thing because you got nothing. Well, the problem started because you didn't get anything out of that first sentence. So that's the difference between the way we would do it and the way you're doing it. We, we would stop after that first sentence or halfway through that first sentence and just make sure that we're really getting it. And, and look, this person is specifically talking about philosophical forward slash abstract arguments. There are abstract sentences that we have to reread, that we have to sit and think about for a half second before we understand them. And it may take you more time right now. That's part of becoming a better reader. But do the work now. Put in the reps so that they get faster over time. Get used to it because law school is super philosophical and super abstract. Mm -hmm. Legal opinions are super philosophical and super abstract. So you're going to have to get used to thinking in that kind of generalized sort of a way. But you, you don't have to read the whole passage all at once. You, you just have to read one sentence at once. 
And uh, yeah, that's that's your problem is that you're losing the little battles. And then each each one of those little battles uh, is causing you to lose the entire war. Yeah. And you're not making progress. I, I was just thinking about like working out when I get my form just right. I could I have to drop the weight often quite a bit because the right. Act, the right form. But then at the same time, progress starts to happen. I'd rather you step it back and do this right and then start to move the actual ball forward than just doing like the, like you talk about all the time, the, that pull the lottery, right? It's like, oh, let me just do another one of these abstract arguments. It's like, no, do it right, even if it takes you a long time so that you can do the next one right and probably a little faster. And eventually you'll really get it. And that's where the clicks will come. Yep. This is an email from Francis. I guess she's still around because she's getting greedy, but. <laughs> yeah. Hi, Ben and Nathan. I love listening to the LSAT success stories on your podcast, and I wanted to share my own. When I first started studying for the LSAT, my goal was to get a 164 so I could get into my regional school, which is ranked around 90th and start law school this year. I've been studying every day with the LSAT trainer, but my score was literally going down from my diagnostic of 155. Damn, that's a good diagnostic. I joined LSAT Demon after finding some of your videos on YouTube. My score bounced back up again almost immediately, and I'm pretty sure I could have accomplished my original goal. Instead, I decided to follow your advice since it seemed to be working. I joined Demon Live, and I'm not exaggerating when I say that the classes were the highlight of my summer. Demon, Demon Live is such a helpful, funny, creative community. Oh, I'm glad it's funny. Um, I work a lot, so I was not a full-time LSAT person, but I made sure to get an hour or two of study time in every day in addition to classes. I had a 156-day streak. Oh, that reminds me, we have not been updating the leaderboard on the podcast. We need to give shout outs to some of those people. I mean, 150 <laughs> days is a fucking long streak of studying. That is a crazy long streak of studying. Where do we get to that? We just go to lsatdemon.com. We go to drilling. And uh, No, actually, for the streaks, you want to go to the dashboard. Oh, dashboard. Uh, current streak, leaderboard. Adam yep. L, number one, 161 days, tied with George, Vin, Jonathan, and someone with a username hidden. Wow. Thank I mean, you, George, Vin, going. and Jonathan for putting your pictures. George has himself. Vin has his dog. Jonathan has himself and a baby. <laughs> Lots cool. of other people's people hot on their heels, yeah. including uh, Brian L with a picture at 160 and Aiden at uh, 158 with a picture. Wow. Oh, and Brooke has a dog at 156. <laughs> and Peter, Peter is at top, he's 10th place with 150 days in a row. Can you believe that? Yeah, that's crazy. That's serious. That's awesome. Yeah, fantastic. Okay. So, anyways, uh, 150 day streak. I liked doing sections and then using the calculator tool to add my score up instead of doing full tests. If I was feeling stressed out about score variance, I just wouldn't input these scores from the sections into the calculator until later. I got a 171 on my first official LSAT in June, but I knew I could do better. Cool. The specific thing that convinced me to wait a cycle was when you told somebody on the podcast 
Don't make your 3.95 sad. <laughs> I don't remember the specifics, but the listener was getting ready to send her applications out with a score in the mid 160s and a 3.95 UGPA. My LSAC UGPA undergraduate GPA is 3.97. Thanks to you guys, it will not be sad. I applied broadly at the beginning of the cycle with a 176. Oh, okay. So she got greedy and then she did it. Damn. <laughs> yeah. I would rather graduate at age 36 with minimal debt and a degree from Berkeley or NYU than graduate at 35 with a degree from my regional school and $200,000 in student loans. I also found a one-year master's degree program to keep me busy until law school starts. Don't worry. I'm not going into debt for that either. Oh, okay, great. I had been planning to take October's test as a get greedy LSAT because I paid for it in advance. And at this point, I love the LSAT and I've been having so much fun studying with you and the demon team, but I ended up withdrawing from it because my dream school put a hold on my application and won't, wouldn't remove it while I was registered for a future test. Interesting. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, you had a 176. You're good. Three weeks after submitting my applications, I've already been interviewed by Georgetown and Wash U. No matter what school I end up at, I'm looking at a completely different experience than I was a year ago. Your common sense approach to the LSAT and high expectations for your students changed my life. Thank you for inspiring me to get greedy with my future and start dreaming so much bigger. If you read this on the podcast, please give me a cool pseudonym. Oops. Oh, <laughs> well, Eric, you can bleep that out maybe, or maybe Eric can cut in uh, a pseudonym. <laughs> yeah. Ben, you say one and then I'll say one. I don't have one. Come on. Come on. You come on. Francis. What's yours? Francis. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Any name. <laughs> like, just say a name. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, you say weird. one. You don't like Francis. Yeah, say a different. Yeah, name. I don't like Francis. I was like trying to come up with something that related to her story, like the 176er or something. Oh, but, you were um, trying to do like a people who write into the newspaper or whatever and have a a fancy pseudonym. A fancy. Yeah, that's. I thought that's. It what has you were to use alliteration. For. How about 36, not 35? Oh, it has to be. Oh, okay. Well, oh, no, that no, it can rhyme or there's like lots of things that, you know, they can. <laughs> Francis. It's going to be Francis because that's easier for Eric to say. <laughs> we could just call her uh, get greedy or getting get greedy. greedy. Yeah. Getting yeah, got, greedy. Got greedy. Yeah. Hmm. Got greedy and getting even greedier. <laughs> <laughs> Super long. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for writing in uh, anonymous pseudonym, Francis. Email daily at lsatdemon.com if you'd like to ask us a question or share some LSAT or law school admissions news. Thanks for listening. 